Overthinking a Podcast, episode 16. What's going on? It's Matt Rather. I am back on the East Coast. I am podcasting at you from New Haven, and I am here with Mr. Mark Lee. Also part of the uh, hive of liberal media elite here in New York City. Absolutely. And uh, Mr. Peter Fenzel. And I am not watching the big Red Sox game in Boston right now because I love you people who listen to the podcast. And I do it for you guys. I do it for you. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Um, So uh, here we are. Here we are. Election fever coming up. And we will not... What's that? It burns. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I've been having hot flashes all day. Uh, but we won't talk about politics because politics has a way of turning everyone into a douchebag, uh, a topic that we took up a few podcasts ago. Though I, am, I have on my desk my, uh, my postcard that I got from the registrar of voters in my town that tells me where my polling place is. It's a firehouse which is Woo-hoo! exciting, and it's within walking distance of the house. I'm glad there's a firehouse nearby. I mean, that makes me feel sort of secure, you know? It's good that it's within walking distance so they can carry over the water. Right, exactly. So that the bucket, yes. so that, you know, you can get a bunch of kids running with buckets, and the bucket brigade will exactly. uh, be efficacious. Yes, and save your cat. Yeah, I live on the first yeah. floor, so so the cats, the cats probably... The cat's probably fine. But, you know, troubling um, election news all over. I got an email from a friend the other day who said that there was a uh, yes on Proposition 8 banner on the site when he looked at the overthinkingit.com website. And uh, that, you know, since since this friend uh, did not agree with the position, yes, on uh, Proposition 8, but instead was advocating for the alternative position, uh, no, on Proposition 8 in California. It's a California ballot initiative. Um, he wrote me an email about, about this, asking, you know, uh, like any good advocate for a cause, asking me to take down the thing that he didn't like and put up something that was uh, more in alignment with what he wanted to see. And I happen to agree with my friend about this particular California ballot initiative, which I've been following as a native of the state of California. But unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about the banner ads, right? They, they're Google AdSense ads. They, you know, we just make the space available on the site. We, we program it as to where it's going to appear. And Google sells those ads, which are targeted based on particular keywords on the site that are automatically scanned and targeted also based on geography. So I would never, on the East Coast, I would never see a, uh, a banner ad for a California ballot initiative, right? But uh, but my friend were, and what I suspect is just that their ad buy was huge. Like, you know, on overthinkingit.com, for a while over the summer, we were just being flooded with John McCain for president ads. And you'd think that a lot of stuff that we were writing about 
at the time would not seem like an ideal content match for a John McCain for president ad. And what I suspect is that they just had a huge ad buy and were were just being blasted out over over the whole network. So, you know, we can't control it. Uh, it's not within my power. Um, but, you know, it raises the question, uh, yeah, is this, I mean, so I want to sort of weasel out of responsibility, and it, it raises the question of whether I should be uh, allowed to. Well, just to clarify on the John McCain thing, I think uh, the word Maverick appeared on the blog a couple of times. Uh, did it really? <laughs> right there. I wrote a lot about John McCain. I wrote about John McCain really early in the blog because I wrote a whole piece about, um, which is actually picked up later on, not our piece, but discussed much later on, about how John McCain had the endorsement for, for Sylvester Stallone and about the awkward relationship between Rambo and like American foreign policy. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember that. It was part of the, the A.L. Scott thing. So we did write about McCain, but we were also one of the only places on the internet where you could get information about the Coco Tea song from Kenya uh-huh. praising Barack Obama, and that right. for a long time, that was the main reason people came to our site, other than that we asked them to, or that they were our friends, uh, was to <laughs> find this Coco Tea stuff. So, like, we were definitely, you know, pretty pretty Obama-centric, but, you know, whatever. Uh, do, do, do what you want to do, you know, sell our advertisements wherever you want. I mean, obviously, we're rolling in it. We've all got to quit our day jobs, and we just overthink all day long, and we, we just have all this cash money. I mean, I'm building a giant bin out in, in uh, Framingham where I'm going to swim around in all the money I get from advertisements on overthinkingit.com. Yeah, and you're going to rename Framingham Duckburg, right? Uh, well, I, I believe that there, there is an initiative in there. That's actually Massachusetts ballot initiative one. Vote no. Um, actually, you should vote no on ballot initiative one in Massachusetts, but it is in fact not to rename Framingham as Duckburg. But if it persuades That's you to vote bad. no, you can imagine but, that it is. Well, well, and we need to get back to the kind of the root issue here of you know, <laughs> what what is our uh, you know what is our responsibility in terms of I guess publishers of sorts and what kind of ads we run. Um, but just in terms of other objectionable, possibly objectionable ads. Um, I don't know if, if you guys have seen the uh, who is more likely to cheat ad on our site. That's been running on our site. <laughs> yeah. or Obama and pictures of their spouses on there. I haven't clicked yeah. through the ad because just I don't want to, you know, show my patrons. You that. should click through the ads because we make money and I put it in the bin in Framingham and swim in it. So <laughs> too. Click on the but banner ads, even if they're stupid, even if they go to Newsmax, click on them. So the point being is that (laughs) there's a lot of objectionable ads that come up uh, on our site. Most of them are for Republicans. (laughs) Most of them are for Republicans. Some of them are for, you know, very crazy adultery presidential survey ads. That's a a Republican ad, too. That that one's Republican. Uh, Is it implied that Barack Obama is going to cheat on Michelle Obama? I mean, there's all these push-pull ads. There's this, like, push-pull ad campaign where it's like, is Hillary finished? Is Obama finished? You know, right, and it's, right, like, right. unflattering pictures. I mean, it's the same bullshit as, like, on Fox News when they put a question mark after a statement and make it sound as if they yeah. don't agree with it. But, I mean, I don't want to get up on a big on a soapbox about it because, you know, whatever, the underlying policies are here, not what we're discussing. It's just their ad strategy. Um, they love so, push-pull. but just to clarify here, uh, rather, if you could... Yeah. Um, so we actually don't have control over it. It's just basically you sign up for Google AdSense and it just it just goes to work. That is that That's is correct. my understanding. I, I think the one exception of that is that if you 
uh, are doing business and you're in a particular industry, you can set up a competitive ad filter so that ads ah. for your competitors don't show up on your site. So sense. I don't understand why you're selling ads on a business site, on an e-commerce site anyway, since the whole site is supposed to be an ad. We're, I think we're analogous to a magazine or a television station right. where you know we're like the producers of a television station and we don't you know mad men isn't responsible for the commercials that are run in the middle of the the show though i guess mad men's a bad example because they have product integration deals we don't have any product placement on the site though you know yeah 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 yet if you have a product and you'd like us to shill for it you know we're all looking to quit our day jobs off this blogging thing so you know (laughs) Hit us up at podcast at overthinkingit.com, you know? And, and make sure you're drinking a delicious crystal light while you're emailing us. Crystal light. <laughs> the light beverage uh, with fruity flavors and powdery stuff that makes 80s people really thin. It's I used to, uh, yeah, it was sweetened with NutraSweet, wasn't it? Uh, aspartame, yes, yes, definitely. I used to, I used to just like, you know, dip my finger in the powder and lick it off my, my finger. <laughs> Much <laughs> like. <did> pay- <laughs> <laughs> like like Pixie Six, like yeah, Fun Dip. Exactly. You're, you're, you were Fun Dipping Crystal Light. How <laughs> from California are you, for Christ's sake? <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't Tang. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Then you'd be a cosmonaut. <laughs> <laughs> Much like those ads, I too find this conversation objectionable. Well, no. well, get yeah. back, back to the issue on tenure. Here's, here's what here's, I propose. What is here. this? What are you okay. trying to keep us on topic for, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, what a buzzkill! You, you know, we do our we do our dark. best work when we're just riffing. All this, no, 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 Mark. you know, like all spontaneous bullshit. You know what this is like? Jazz. It's like jazz. <laughs> it's the things we don't talk about that you should be listening to, not right. the things we do talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you take um, a you take a chorus, Mark. You you wanted to bring it back to the issue at hand. Go ahead. Uh, okay, Miles Davis. Um, <laughs> What I was trying to say is that, well, there's a couple of things. One is I think this issue is largely going to go away after after the election, seeing as people who are wanting to influence the elections are buying up tons of ads and getting them all over the internet. Once there's no election around, they're by and large going to go away. Right. People don't want but, to have opinions. Yeah. People, it's, it's a precious short time when people have opinions on things. Right. So the other thing, the other thing we're also facing here, essentially Google has a monopoly on this kind of internet ad business. So we're, for better or for worse, not to absolve ourselves of responsibility totally, but we are kind of you know, forced to play by the rules. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Are, are we forced to play by the rules? Do we have I a mean, choice? Uh, here, here's, my, here's my take on it. Yeah. The whole thing wouldn't be an issue if it weren't for the really specific problem surrounding Proposition 8. Like, I have... And we no haven't problem. said what it is. We should say what yeah, it is. Pete, go ahead I'm and say, say what it is. It, it, proposition 8 is a proposition to ban greyhound racing in Revere, Massachusetts. No, that's Proposition 3. That's Massachusetts Proposition 3. It's, it's it, vote for or against it as you want. No, Proposition 8 is the, is, the, is the resolution in California to ban gay marriage at the state level. Right. right. It's, a, it's, it's either a constitutional amendment or a... You know, something something like that that is beyond the reach of at least California courts. Right. So they're they're basically going to s- try to set this mandate with this referendum that will compel whatever branch of government um, feels like it needs to do it to to, to 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 carry this out. And I think that the real problem here is the huge cultural disjointment around this particular issue. Because I can totally see why someone would say that banning 
gay marriage or supporting the banning of gay marriage is in itself offensive, right? And, and there's a strong rights argument about why you shouldn't do it, but at the same time, there's the other people who don't believe that, and they're like, well, you know, this is a legitimate political position. This is what we believe. It's such a charged issue. I feel like it's foolish and irresponsible of Google to agree to advertise for something that is so polarizing. Like, they wouldn't take money from the Nation of Islam to advertise on our site. And there Nam- are people who love Namla. the Nation of Islam and there are people who hate the Nation of Islam, but they would not put a Nation of Islam ad. Or Nambla. I mean, Nambla is, Nambla is maybe a bad example because, you know, it's a, it's a very small minority who are supporters of Nambla. I mean, I don't want to support, I don't want to compare Nambla to the Nation of Islam, except... I, right, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> but, a, like, you yeah, know, you're not going to see idea. the Honorable Elijah Muhammad up on top of our picture of, uh, maybe you know, a, Indiana Jones. Maybe a better example is Jews for Jesus. Um, which a lot of Jews find, and all seriously, in all seriousness, a lot of Jews find Jews for Jesus uh, incredibly an offensive you know, affront to, the, yeah. to their uh, uh, to their to their beliefs. In fact, I saw there's a Jews for Jesus ad a, an, on a New York City subway, and I saw um, a, a man sit down next to the ad, rip it out of the ad holder thing. It wasn't you know covered in plexiglass, and you know you know stuffed in his bag to discard later. He was and that, he, abs- that, he absconded with an advertisement from a, a public place. Yeah, but the uh, point is that, that he wanted to read it at home. He wanted to read it at home. <laughs> to, to further ponder the meaning of Christ and his, his Jewish existence. Yeah, left to exactly. left to right languages were maybe a little challenging for him. <laughs> but so anyway, you're saying, you're, saying it's Google, you're saying it's Google's fault for, for well, I think that, that Google, since Google recognizes that it is channeling advertising into like a very diverse group of websites, then it needs to. It's in a tough spot because on one hand, it, it is censoring itself, and it's not going to give advertisements to everybody who asks for them. But right. you have to question in which cases are they maybe making poor choices. And I, and I think that the gay marriage issue is right there on the button where Google is in a tough spot and doesn't have a great way of adjudicating that problem. But passing it off on us isn't fair either. Like, you know, like if they're not willing to take responsibility for that, and if they're pro-gay mar- if they're anti-gay marriage, which I highly doubt, um, then you know, whatever. You know, uh, then maybe we need to talk about whether we're doing advertisements with them because if they're pushing in a specific agenda. But like, if they don't see that as the kind of advertisement that is a little bit too charged and specific to universally push out to websites, then like that's a customer relations issue. Right and like, have we complained to Google? I mean, this is the first I've heard of this issue. Um, maybe we should complain to them and say, "Look, you know, this is causing problems for our readership, which is going to hurt the ad impressions, which is going to hurt the revenue for you're getting from this." Um, I mean, I know you probably can't do anything about it now, but like, looking forward, if you're looking to draw the line, like this might be a good thing to draw the line around and say, "Okay, this issue is too charged." to run advertisements about it indiscriminately all over the place. Um, I mean, I don't know if they would agree with that, but what are they going to do? They're, they've got their nuts and advice from everybody, right? Like, the, 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 the pro-anti-whatever groups are, you know, the, the anti-gay marriage people aren't going to let up on Google if Google decides to refuse to run their ads. That'd be a public relations disaster. Here's the thing, Pete. Uh, like, there's, you know, I think that running advertisements for a political ballot initiative, I mean, for a referendum that voters are going to encounter, I, I don't think that's over the line. I think that even if I disagree with the the content of the position that's being advocated, and in this instance I happen to, I gotta say that, you know, someone who's advocating a political position uh, has got to be allowed to advocate it in a free society. And it's not, you know, if the ad said... God hates homos or something, which, you know, there are websites that are that hateful, if not more. That's, you know, and then Google were sending that out over the ad network. 
I would object to that. But it just said yes on a California ballot initiative. And so I'm not sure that we can necessarily fault uh you know fault google for accepting that advertising just because it happens to be controversial i mean you know politics is often controversial and we have to be able to talk about it and advocate for it i think the solution actually is uh just real quickly to propose this is uh find the organization that is uh lobbying against proposition eight donate some money to them and suggest that they start buying ads to counter this well, I'm sure they are. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they are. I'm sure we won't. We won't see them because they're targeted to one specific state, and they can get really, really. It's pretty cool how specific you can get when you buy Google AdSense ads. Pete, what were you going to say? You started something. Oh, I mean, I just think that that legitimizing things necessarily because they get on the ballot is an exercise in question begging, and that if something is offensive outside of appearing on a state ballot, then it remains offensive when it appears on a state ballot. And the fact that it's been legitimized by this constitutional process from a legal perspective doesn't necessarily carry out over and say our readers aren't going to be offended by it, we're not going to be offended by it. I mean, I can think of, I don't want to go out on the limb and make absurd suggestions, but like... Like, you know, there's all sorts of ballot initiatives that legally the state can't prevent from going on the ballot that have no business being there. And I'm not willing to say, oh, I accept no responsibility from taking money from these people um, who, you know, are, according to some, you know, and probably, you know, I'll go to learn. According to me, you know, they are doing something that's really fundamentally destructive to people's rights and is really offensive. And uh, I see very little justification for it. And, well, I, um, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I agree. I agree also that it's an exercise in question begging, uh, you know, because it doesn't. I, I think the California ballot initiative process, anyway, has produced some. I mean, it has produced some reprehensible initiatives, many of which have passed. But uh, mm-hmm. a lot you know, of them having to do with like emergency services for illegal immigrants. And right. Exactly. Like that, right? that was when yeah. I was a teenager. That was the the big one, and I think. Yeah. And I th- and I think that passed, uh, as I recall. It was Prop um, 187, right? That was uh, yeah, that was huge national news, Nas- national news. 187, Prop 187. Yeah, it yeah. was national news, and it's just terrible the thought that you're going to deny health services to to a child. Anyway, so I think it's a you know I think it's a terrible it's a terrible process, but you know California is a politically weird. It is a an anomaly of a state politically and culturally. But even without engaging that argument, I'd say on a, on a practical level, it is on the ballot, and people are going to are going to encounter it whether they're offended by it or not. And so I'm saying that it. I, I'm saying maybe maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to at least. Uh, you know, to at least allow the conversation to take yeah. place, you know, allow yeah. the people to advocate on the different sides, even if they're douches. I mean, I, I just, I think the main outgrowth out of all this is, is Google going to offer service to more of its websites in the future, uh, more of the websites that it runs ads on and effectively supports 
um, a- asking them if they want a little bit more control over what sort of ads they want to run or not. Because, I mean, in the end, this is about our readers, you know, and, and we don't want our readers to get upset about what they see on our site. And we certainly don't want to put things out there that we feel dis- do a disservice to our responsibility to really provide the overthinkers of the world with, with the best and, and the most I- I- integral and, and the most upright and, and morally sound overthinking that we can provide. I mean, if I'm going to go out on a limb and talk about Encino Man, I don't want somebody, you know, repping war crimes behind me. I want to know that, <laughs> that, that people are going to get to enjoy Brendan Fraser and Pauly Shore and Sean Astin without having to worry about the secret police. They're going to advertise on the site and be like, hey, join the secret police. Um, the only no thing I can awesome. say, all I can say to that is, Ginsu, weasel. <laughs> no, swish in the juice. Swish <laughs> the juice, man. Swish the juice. Uh, but, 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 but so you, you brought up the, the, the possibility that uh, Google would give more control to, to webmasters over the kind of ads that show up on their site. Yeah. And you're saying that, you know, I, I would say that Google would only do that if uh, one of their competitors would be doing that. And uh, that list of competitors isn't particularly long or robust. Yeah, I'm, here's the problem with that. Google is in the business of letting people place their ads wherever the hell they want. You know, mm. and you are you pay for placement within certain keywords, a certain geographic location, and there are certain other there's certain other kind of demographic slicing and dicing that you can do for how to target your ad messages. And ads for search work in much the same way. You know, so if you're a plumber in Boston, you can make sure that you're listings only appear in the greater Boston area. If they allow webmasters to throw up a roadblock between Mm. their buyers and the eyeballs on the other side of the screen, then they actually can't provide that service. Right. So they're, I mean, they're basically taking money to show these things to our peoples, right? So like, you know, they're, they're the, the, the commercial interest and the commercial control is pretty clear. Um, the moral and ethical responsibility is, is less so. I mean, we, we could not run Google ads. I don't think we're not going to do that at this point because they haven't really – I mean, this is just one particular incident, and it's not so horrible that it's going to cause us to take the ads down. I mean, it, it, I can foresee a situation where it would get know, my, bad enough. My friend was pretty pissed off at me, you know? I know. I mean, this is why we're talking about it. Well, I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But like, um, if they were like routinely running like you know child porn website ads on our site, right? Um, like then we would say, okay, Google, we're not going to put your ads up anymore. We we don't have to put them up forever. Um, but uh, you know, this is sort of a, an expression of displeasure. And I know know that the CEOs of Google listen to this podcast. So um, Hi, guys, guys, come on, Sergey hey, Sur- and, L- and Larry, right? La- Larry, Serge, buddies. Pals, friends, uh, l- l- you know, you come by, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get a pizza, we'll talk, you know, it'll be good. Well, honestly, we'll, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm gonna open the kimono. I'm gonna open the kimono. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm I don't do even a- know what that means, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna Pretty do a little <laughs> blue sky solutioneering. No, I'm gonna open the kimono a little bit and say that, honest to God, we don't make that much money on Google Ads. I mean, our blog is doing great. I'm, I'm very happy with the readership that we found, and I'm really happy with the listenership the podcast has found, because we have a really distinctive voice, and when we started the blog... Yes, uh, it sounds like this. It <laughs> sounds like this. When we, when we started the blog, <laughs> uh, we, I wasn't necessarily sure. It was a leap of faith to see whether our particular obsessions and our particular way of thinking about pop culture would connect and it's wonderful that it's found an audience but you know it's not a mass audience it's not a Perez Hilton size 
audience. And so like the size of the man or the size of his readership. Well, he's you know, I don't know actually. Perez Hilton has been losing some weight. Now, I let What? Me, let Hold me, on, Matt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Perez Hilton is losing weight? Let me open the let me open the kimono <laughs> even more. I am an obs- Oh, it's too bright. It's too bright. It's <laughs> It's just cuz yeah, no, it's, my, my skin is so fair. I cannot tan. <laughs> I could I could sit out in the sun for you know four months and I would not tan, uh, though I would turn awfully pink. Uh, yes, no, I read Perez Hilton obsessively. I think the man has not had a post in the last like year that has not shown up on my Google Reader and been opened by me. Uh, you know, clicking the J key to advance to it. So you know, I follow Perez's uh, uh, fitness quest and the man the man has been doing some admirable things as a guy who's you know trying to uh always trying to sort of get in better shape and maintain shape myself i gotta admire the man um, so what kind of what kind of ads does he have on his site uh he uses a different network he uses a network called blog ads which uh-huh. um is slightly higher rent and i think they want more traffic than we have though if any of our listeners is a blogger and oh they only take you only can become a customer by referral but if any of our listeners is a blogger who's a member of the blog ads network and wants to refer your pals at overthinking it we will you know uh we will throw our whole 100 technorati authority score uh, behind linking to your blog at every opportunity. <laughs> I will get you some mint Milanos. I will get you a bag, a little bag of mint Milanos, or double chocolate if you don't like mint, but mint Milanos, people. That is on the line if you refer us to a blog advertising network that is not going to run Nazi ads. Because <laughs> I'm sick and tired of the Nazis and all their web advertising because it's really getting on my nerves. Sorry, every time I'm I going look, to, it's like... So I'm going to close the kimono <laughs> slightly just to no, the... No, keep the kimono open. Keep the no, kimono no, open. Just to the just to the point where it was open the first time, and say that like Google AdSense is not making us a ton of money, so we could well uh, just not run them. And honestly, it would probably be a wash financially. You know, does it cost us money to to put up the Google Ads? Uh, no, I mean we don't subscribe to it or anything it's a it's a free service and it you know it nets us some some money every month don't give the financials away our competitors will find out our business model i know right (laughs) (laughs) we don't want we don't want over pondering it.net to come in and and shark our secrets oh god you have to save that you have to save that for the now i have to now i have to register that domain name (laughs) to keep you know domain name squatters from you know, leeching off our success. If you're a domain name squatter listening to this podcast, I'm going to get you some Mint Milanos, people. Mint Milanos. <laughs> if you go out there and squat on um, uh, Zach Efron is totally awesome dot org. I don't even know. I always, whenever I think of I think of Paris Hilton, I always imagine the big day when he gets to out Zach Efron, which is going to be like the, the like fulfillment of his career ambitions uh. yeah actually today he has he has photos of of zach with his girlfriend and he photoshops his face over zach's zach everyone's <laughs> girlfriend's face and it's like oh they're such a cute couple zach and perez on the red carpet of high school musical three <laughs> zach and perez you know enjoy the beach in cabo wow i am really uh i'm really a dork huh well you can send your hate mail to podcast at overthinking it 
Com. Let me take this opportunity to say that the email address of this podcast is podcast at overthinkingit.com. If you have any questions or any comments about the podcast, you can send us uh, those comments there. And if you'd like to leave a voicemail message uh, that will be recorded and played back on the podcast, you can call the podcast voicemail line at 203 203- 285-6401. That's 203-285-6401. Look, I really love animated GIFs of fire. So if you want to email as many animated GIFs of fire as you can find, <laughs> or GIFs. It can be GIFs or GIFs or Jiffies or anything that, that, that is an animated GIF to podcastoverthinkingit.com. I will post the best ones on the blog because uh, there's nothing about the internet has captivated me more than the time and effort <laughs> that people put in to making animated GIFs specifically a fire. Yeah. So that's, that's a promise to you people. We actually should run a send- contest. We should run that contest on the site. <laughs> Our contest goes so well. No, yeah. Um- <laughs> How is the Linda Hamilton Memorial Overthinking it? It's actually going pretty great. We have some really great contributions. They are pretty heavy duty. Like we have got some serious work that people put in, and I am honored that they would submit that work to us. Um, I am daunted at the prospect of producing a lot of these movies, and I, and I was definitely did not want to make a secret of it that um, you know we would choose for production a movie that we could metaphysically possibly produce that we could do uh, justice to some. Exactly, Some something we can do do right, at least in our to our own way. Um, so I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not saying that anybody's going to be judged favorably or unfavorably. But if you're thinking about sending something in, don't be worried about putting in that extra, you know, flying dog helicopter chase scene, um, because you know it may not necessarily affect whether or not we we put you in there. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, I definitely am honored by the people who've submitted. And if there are in the end submissions that we aren't able to give the exposure to that we'd like, um, we'll do everything we can to to really rep those people and support them if they want to go shop their script around somewhere else. Well, we could put, I mean, we could put them on the blog. We could make them available to people to yeah. download and read if the authors give us permission. I would I mean, love, that's pretty, yeah, I'd love I mean, to that's, do that. That's pretty much what I was saying. I mean, I, by rep, I don't mean be an agent. I just mean like, you know, <laughs> We're not going like, into the literary agency business? Um, uh, it, it's a growth industry, man. You make huge money. Huge money. Yeah, right. I'm talking, it's the next, the next hedge fund industry thing is uh, literary agency. Uh, people are going to be doing like uh, romance novel arbitrage. It's going to be awesome. That's, <laughs> yeah, literary agents are not, uh, yeah, are not super well compensated. Well, I mean, I, I love them, and they're great people, and I know uh, I have a bunch of good friends who are literary agents, and I don't want to talk down their business or their prospects for their business, but I don't think that this blog would have a lot to benefit from um, in terms of investing time and energy sufficient to become an agency, um, simply because the people who already do it are already very good at it, and we don't need to be bumbling through it and trying to figure it out ourselves. Um, yeah, I, also, I only meant that like you probably there's probably more money in like repping Tom Cruise or something. Oh yeah, I'm totally. I mean, I would rep Tom Cruise. I'd be like, "Yo, sup, Tom Cruise, bitches." My client, Tom Cruise. <laughs> that that would definitely be a relationship that would benefit him. That would benefit Tom Cruise if let's, he were being repped by me. Let's move on and overthink something else. Uh, <laughs> last week's Gossip Girl uh, took place at. <laughs> 
Sorry, sorry, go on. I write last week's Gossip Girl, the the, the show about which I write a weekly column on the blog. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm aware of it. I've never read it, but I'm aware of it. <laughs> Have you not? You shall read it, though. It's wonderful. And click on the ads, even if they're Nazis. <laughs> and send your animated gifs of fire to podcastedoverthinkingit.com, yeah. and we will send you Mint Milano's. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to send everyone Mint Milano's. Don't make that promissory statement. Pete Fenzel. <laughs> Pete Fenzel promises. As, <laughs> As no! Pete Fenzel's literary agent, I, I promise was one day on his behalf. Retirement. No. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Gossip Girl uh, took place at Yale University, and it's so funny if you've ever been to either Yale or Columbia because they shot Columbia for Yale. You know, right? And it's like you know, you're you're like looking down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They went yeah. to Bogota. And mm-hmm. shot that for Yale. No, they shot Columbia University on mm-hmm. uh, Broadway and 116th Street in okay. uh, Manhattan Island. That's uh, that one from Ghostbusters, right? For Yale. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. that, is the, that is the island from, from Ghostbusters. And, you know, it's not surprising that and a high – well, first we should say, full disclosure – uh, all the guys and the one girl who are writing <laughs> <laughs> currently on the blog met each other when they were classmates at that very school, at that very Ivy League university. Not Columbia. Not Columbia. Yale. No, God, no. God, forget Yale that. Yale motherfucking university. That's we not just, part of the we, we dropped the Y-bomb all over this podcast. I feel no, so no, guys, you know, they're going to think we're nerds. They're going to think we're nerds. <laughs> we're never going to get to go to the big dance. I actually, I know, oh, I know a a bunch of guys who went to like spring break in Key West or something like that. And they had Yale t-shirts on and they said, yeah, no, when the girls uh, would ask us where we went to school, uh, we would say Yale tech it's in Georgia because, you know, we didn't want them thinking we went to, uh, to that Yale. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that, you know, not Yale tech. I just said, I went to school in Connecticut. I've done that a lot, especially at spring break, but I never went to Key West for spring break. It's kind of not that would yeah. Be, yeah, it's probably a different scene. I don't know. I I would think that it's a unique value proposition as a random hookup, but you know, never mind. Uh, it's a, we make no secret of it. Neither do we emphasize it because it's just it's kind of irrelevant to what we're doing at the blog. We just happen to all meet there. Yeah. So you know, we we have a perspective on the way our alma mater is represented, but uh, th- but I don't want to raise a question about that. I want to raise a question about this. Um. In the show, higher education is treated as a luxury good, you know, as a commodity to be sort of bought and sold, to be trafficked in, as a status indicator, really more than anything else. And as a, you know, and as a place to get laid, also a place to get laid. Though, you know, I, I think we... Which, if you've been to Yale, <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, someone had to say it. Come on. Yeah, get back right. to the program. <laughs> um, I yield the floor to Mr. Rather. <laughs> but, you know, it made me think about representations of higher education in, in movies. And it seems like the last thing schools are represented as uh, are schools. Right. It's really and I guess there's no unless you're making like Dangerous Minds or Renaissance Man starring Danny DeVito or something. It's very hard to make drama out of like 
And then I studied all night. I read the hell out of that book. And then when Dawn, with her rosy fingers, broke over the horizon, <laughs> I had finished the book. Uh, right, it's yeah. not really visually compelling. So I guess it's really more the social drama, the social interaction that makes for drama. But, you know, it's it's treated as irrelevant. And not just irrelevant, sort of... They're stubbornly proud of its being irrelevant. And all the classes that were listed on Gossip Girl were things like, you know, underwater basket weaving or like, you know, representations of labia in pre-Mesopotamian, you know, or yeah, science fiction, science fact, perhaps. Oh wait. No, it <laughs> doesn't. I love that even, class. That's that class awesome. okay. I really wish I had taken that class. I took EE one hundred and one, which you know, I stopped going to after maybe the third class you want to know what i got in it an a yeah i mean they are there there are stupid classes but you know there are stupid classes there's stupid classes everywhere but it's you know um two two points i want to make you know the idea that sort of education is irrelevant to the portrayal of an educational institution in uh, popular entertainment, and two, that when the educational component is uh, is portrayed, it's almost it's portrayed in such a grotesque caricature that it could be written by Lynn Cheney, <laughs> right? It's presented as being so insular and so um, so proud of that insularity. Uh, and proud of its own irrelevance, that y- you wonder why, how these schools became such potent status indicators in the first place. Anyway, I throw it open to the floor. Overthink this. I haven't, I haven't seen Legally Blonde one or two, but I feel like that accurately describes a depiction of Harvard Law School. Is that correct? Well, no, in, Le- in Legally Blonde one, I you know I didn't see two, but like <laughs> in Legally Blonde one, it's actually depicted that she like gets her ass kicked and she has to kind of get her act together, and she yeah. does it in a in a, you know, uniquely blonde way, but... Sort but, of like, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> she's, sort of, she's sort of outclassed by the competition at first. And, it, you know, it's not that she's not smart, it's just that she's sort of unprepared for the culture, you know? Actually, that, I mean, may, be, yeah. that may be, like, one of the most straightforward portrayals oh. of higher education. Irony <laughs> alert! That, so, you know, that right, I know. So, I'm thinking of think how high... Yeah, I was going to mention how high is probably the most accurate portrayal of how higher education works. <laughs> because as everyone knows, the real challenge of going to a top flight university is being able to smoke enough weed in order to get the super intelligence necessary to pass all your classes. Right, exactly. Is that what happens in that movie? They get really smart and they, they, they do really well in school because they're constantly high or something like that? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I don't know. I think so, right? Method Man and Red Man, right? Like, yes. uh, Yeah, they grow super weed in their dorm or something? Really ashamed of the fact that I haven't seen that movie because I feel like I really, I really should, and I hear it's good. You know, I feel like I've I've disappointed the Wu Tang and all of its killer bees. I've disappointed the RZA, the JZA, the Ghostface Killer, Raekwon the Chef, You God. You know, <laughs> your old dirty bastard, old dirty Method bastard, Man, Red, yeah, all of them. Jeez, especially You God. I mean, You God. I'm sorry. I want to. I'm going to extend a personal. Inv- I know that you're listening to the podcast right now, You God, <laughs> and I would like to apologize for not seeing the movie that some of your former colleagues who used to be in the Wu Tang Clan with you made that I heard got 
average to better than average reviews, and I offer you a personal apology, and if you want to come on the podcast, we can talk about it. Uh, but that is extended only to you, God, not to Raekwon the Chef, or to any of the other <laughs> members of the Wu-Tang Clan, unless the ODB decides to come back from the dead. In which case, you already hear fo- first, folks, ODB, risen from the grave, Mint Milano's for everyone. Um, I want to talk about PCU. PCU is a great movie. Uh, <laughs> it is a fine film. Fine film. <laughs> um, PCU, I believe it's supposed to be a representation of Wesleyan, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it does a pretty good job of caricaturing uh, people who are dedicated to their studies by portraying them as frenzied, addled, crazy people. Right. <laughs> um, and it's phenomenally unhappy, but they would be happy were they capable of successfully completing their theses. And, of course, it's a major plot development in PCU that the power goes out in the computer lab and everyone loses their theses. And this is uh, a sort of twist that happens at some point. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that happens at some point in the movie. Uh, and they turn into an angry mob, and they and they run around. And they're they're out for blood. Um, I don't necessarily think that's inaccurate, and I, I, but I, I also think that um, PCU does a good job of like lampooning things. It's lampooning them actively, and the difference between that and something like Gossip Girl is that you know Gossip Girl is not making fun of college. Um, you know, Animal House is making fun of college. No, it's making uh, a the- mockery of college, but that's yeah. in a totally different way. Well, that's true. I mean, it's making it's 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 actively mocking the institution. I mean, I guess you could say that. You know, it's probably not the fault of the movies that people don't take college seriously as like a learning experience. I think that there's you know disjointments in um, education itself and in the culture, um, the way that we value learning, um, that we basically get the, the movies about college that we deserve and that we we say want. I mean, I for one wish that I'd put more into college from a learning perspective than I did. Um, not that I slacked off. I mean, I worked very hard, but. Um, the way that it was organized, the way that it was presented, and the way that it was there was not really encouraging of reading these books and learning these things. I mean, they throw all the extracurriculars at you, and they throw all the things that you're supposed to be doing in addition to being a college student. That you know, that it's never enough, you know, in, in sort of a cultural sense, for anyone to just be going through college. There always has to be other things that you're doing as well. You always have to have a persona, and you have to be having the social life and all this other stuff. You know, and I think that that is the real cultural phenomenon that we're talking about here, and that the movies are reflecting that. And 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 I don't think that they're necessarily reinforcing it out of nothing or creating it a nilo, as it were. But they are uh, they are talking about something that's already there. Um, that's Pete, my take Pete, on it. Anyway. Pete, I I, yeah. I kind of agree with that, but I'm not sure. But I, I'm torn. Kind of that's a good thing or a bad thing because when I talk to people about my college experience, one of the first things I say is that um, the most important things that I learned were not in the classroom. Yeah, is that because you because of the value of those other activities? Is that a failure? Yeah, is that an epic failure of the classroom, or is the classroom just not that important? Uh, It it was probably an epic failure on my part to take the classroom seriously. Um, Hindsight, no. Or um, so. Yeah, but you guys, I think you guys really overestimate. You guys are you guys are are both like smart, educated fellows. You know, more so than a lot of the country. And you know, by saying. By saying you didn't take the classroom seriously, I think you may be comparing yourself to a hypothetical achievement machine of some kind, and that's not necessarily fair. That's true. I mean, they are robots, and they are superior to us in a lot of ways. But you know, so are you know, so are a lot of people. There's, that's I, why they call it superhuman strength and superhuman intelligence. I know. Like seriously, I should not be mad at myself if I cannot run as fast as a car can drive. Right. You know, exactly. and, and because that would be really tough. And I really. And if think- Robert, if Robert Patrick does it in T two, well, that's because he is a super robot from the future. 
And I, you know what? More power to him. And I, 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 you know, I don't agree with him being a super evil robot for the future. But I'll fight to the death for his right to say it and to be that. As long because as he America's does not about freedom. advertise it on Google. <laughs> no, I don't want to see any ads for liquid metal robots on our website unless you pay us money more than we're getting, so that we can get like you, God, to come on our show. Yeah, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I kinda... Skynet has a huge ad buy on the internet right now. They're really priming us for the uh, upcoming Judgment Day. Oh, and dude, they have a, that, uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a plot point in Terminator Sarah Connor Oh my god, yeah. We'll get back to Terminator oh, yeah. later, but um, one, one thing I wanted to quickly quickly say, I mean, there it's pretty obvious, but you know, everybody talks about this, you know, climate in the American culture that is anti-intellectual. And Pete, you touched on this earlier a little bit, but um, I would say probably, the, you know, this, the, 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 the part of America that, you know, thinks evolution is a bunch of hoo-ha, and, you know, just kind of blindly follows creationism and these other things, um, that kind of trickles over into the depiction of, of education and higher education and pop culture. Mm. I Agreed mean, or do, you th- do, you, or do you think that, I don't mean, I think it's unfair to blame all of it on people who have, like, really strong religious beliefs that control how they do their educational stuff, because it's not just them that have contempt well, certainly for not. education. Certainly no, not. It's not just them, who, you know, who, don't, who want their children not to read those bad books, you know, whatever. There's a lot of, like, arrogance on the behalf of parents who think that they know more than teachers do about how to educate children, and, and they don't. You know, I mean, some of them do, sure, and, like, yeah, you have a right to it, but show a little humility, for Christ's sake. These people are professionals. Um, you know that's worth something. I mean, I don't, I don't implicitly trust every teacher ever, but I do have some hope that at some point there might be somebody who might be able to teach my child something that I can't teach them myself. You know, not my hypothetical Oops. child that I'm not, I don't have because I haven't had a baby because I haven't gotten a woman pregnant yet. Yet today, to your knowledge, to, your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> to my knowledge, I've that I pregnant. know about <laughs> that I know about in Cambridge. <laughs> Jeez. But no. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no. But no, I, I know what you mean. I mean, there's anti-intellectualism in a lot of different ways. And, you know, the, I've been, ex- you know, exercising it myself during this podcast by calling you all nerds. Um, and, and that's an anti-intellectualism well, as well. But, I'm not sure that calling someone a nerd, that's anti-nerdism. You know, <laughs> I think that's an exercise in question begging. <laughs> this phrase, this is a phrase. You know, I actually, I wrote one of my Thursday grammar posts about the phrase uh, begs the question, which is often misused. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, I know you're all waiting to read the grammar post. I don't mean to be mean, man. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. You are ripping into me tonight. You don't like the Gossip Girl series and you don't like the grammar series? I haven't written a damn thing worth a damn in like two weeks, so just I have because, no... <laughs> just because the one is totally frivolous and the other is totally douchey? Uh, you know, it's it's honestly, I'm jealous because I was going to write a Gossip Girl column and a grammar column, and you beat me to both of them, and now all I have is Ninja Turtle stuff. And that's Come on, nice. guys, guys, yeah. guys, we've got to present a united front to all of our, our audience here. The war okay. is out there, not here, guys. Come on. <laughs> we're we're going to live or die as a team. And <laughs> it, we got to get out. Life is a game of inches, and so is internet advertising. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so not, I mean, there isn't a... A large scale. The the point I wanted to make about it was that I think this depiction of higher education, this sort of anti intellectual caricature of higher education, is at odds with a culture that is growing increasingly batshit insane over 
higher education admissions, the competitiveness of certain students, grooming them from the time they're a fetus to be little achievement machines, you know, a huge booming industry in consulting, uh, essay, you know, application prep, test prep, essay, revision, things like, you know, things like this. This is all, you know, I know friends, Ivy League grads who make their money like marking up 17-year-olds, you know, college application essays. I, right. I think that's that's sort of not I agree that ethically that questionable, is, but yeah. So so that got that gossip girl uh, depiction of uh, higher education and pop culture is at odds. Shit, it's the cops. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> New York City. Hey, they, heard, guys. they heard we were talking about Method Man and Red Man and they're <laughs> super weed. That they wanted to bin mulattoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you'd, you'd, but, eat yes, a lot, you'd eat a lot of mint Milanos after but, smoking but Matt, super realize, rather, I'm sure you realize this, but I wanted to point this out, that that <laughs> phenomenon you described only applies to a very small sliver of the American population. And that population, as America, has, I would say, has become more polarized and more you know balkanized, that little Balkan bit... Um, has become a, just an, a vast echo chamber. So all this crazy test prep and you know Ivy League admissions consulting stuff has just resonated and amplified and you know reached this fever pitch in that particular segment. Yeah, but you Mark, go outside the, of there, the, you, the go suburbs, mean- you go to the suburbs of Birmingham, Alabama, where I grew up. You don't see that at all. You know, people are just trying to you know angle maybe kind of to get sort of a decent scholarship at the public university, and that's what they're going for. Joe the Plumber doesn't watch Gossip Girl, guys. Joe <laughs> the Plumber isn't planning on sending his kids to Yale, either. Joe the Plumber, Joe the Plumber is a fugitive from the law. Joe the Plumber has <laughs> killed 17 people. Nobody even, he doesn't even plumb. He's an assassin. He uses a bow and arrow. His name is Philip. He rides a skateboard that has a fan on the back. Like, wh- why do people not find out these things about this guy? I don't even know. The point is that he's American. And that is more than I can say about Five billion people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? I'm a maverick. That's why it's true. My it's friends, true. my friends, it is uh, <laughs> it is time to wind this podcast up. Uh, let's it. let's go on to overthink this. Our series of picks for the week. Mark Lee, you have an awesome one for us. What is it? It's a quickie, but I told you, I, I, I promised I would bring up Terminator again yeah. in this. And, and as a quick aside, I'm completely, totally hooked on Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, that's not my pick, because that's, that's kind of obvious. A, that's a meta pick. That's, so, a, that's a meta pick. So the pick that I found here is that, um, for those of you who are outside of, outside of New York City, uh, you might not be aware that uh, our Mayor Bloomberg, he talks like that, is seeking a third term to extend the term limits law from two terms to three terms. And the New York Post, that wonderful piece of journalism uh, that it is, did a fabulous, uh, hilarious Photoshop of uh, Mayor Bloomberg with the, the Terminator skull, half the Terminator skull, half Mayor Bloomberg's face, saying, I'll be back. Which is a, kind of, like, strikes me as funny, being it's, it's such an, that is, that phrase isn't really quite still in the, maybe like in 1992, or whenever Terminator 2 came out. Sometime in the mid-90s, if this were happening, this would be highly appropriate. But, Genghis Terminator has, you know, slivered a little bit, at least I'll Be Back has slivered off the, the pop culture landscape a bit. It struck me as kind of funny that the New York Post did that. Mm-hmm. I still love the, uh, I'm just blown away by the awesomeness of this Photoshop job, but uh, I found it kind of funny that they chose to do that. 
Yeah. We will have yeah. links. We will have links in the show notes, uh, in the show notes of the podcast, and on Overthinking It. If you want to go check out this awesome New York Post Photoshop, and that's my pick. Moving right along, Pete. What do you have? I am gonna pick for you guys the next big thing. It's a oh video boy. sent to me by my personal media consultant slash little sister, uh, who is not really little. She's a fully grown woman and lives in uh, Washington, D.C. But she sent me a, a video and an audio clip um, made by the up-and-coming rap star Chip the Ripper. Uh, it goes uh, a little something like, th- like this. The lyrics go, <clears throat> uh, Interior Crocodile Alligator I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. Interior crocodile alligator. I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. It and so on and so forth. If you don't think that just that nonsensical phrase over and over again to the footage of an alligator walking in slow motion is one of the awesomest things that you've seen this week, you're probably right. But (laughs) it is pretty captivating and the song is pretty catchy and it's just that right kind of nonsense that it's going to be blowing up across this internet. So I want you overthinkers to go and listen to Interior Crocodile Alligator, I Drive a Chevrolet Movie Theater, watch the video, watch the hybrid remix, which is also hilarious, and and get that and, and, and recognize for the first 10 seconds, 15 seconds, minute and a half, in fact, for the entire duration of the movie, you're going to say, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. And then you will be singing the song to yourself <laughs> on the way home. I'm, and, already, and, I'm already singing it to myself, and I haven't even heard it, just from your... Uh... I, I, if Chip the Ripper, now this is a guy we could actually get because I think he's just a random guy and isn't actually a recording artist. Uh, he called into a radio station and did a freestyle for them, and that's where this came from. It was an excerpt. But if Chip the Ripper wants to come on our show and talk about movie theaters run by uh, General Motors, I would be more than happy to uh, to talk with him about a variety of things um, and also get him some mint Milanos. That that is an offer. <laughs> To Chip the Ripper if he wants to come on here because he he has put together a really interesting thing sort of by chance because he didn't himself record that one line over and over and over again. It was just the last line of his freestyle and, and someone put it together. So I'd love to hear his take on it. But uh, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd be curious to hear the uh, the rest of the freestyle. I mean, because if the man is, you know, slinging game like that. <laughs> the freestyle, the link that I'm going to give you to put up on the site is going to have access to the clip of the freestyle as well as access to another freestyle of Chip the Ripper's uh, where the hook line is babies for breakfast, babies for dinner. Nice. Mm. <laughs> okay, Has Wesley have- Willis risen from the dead? And that was what comeback? I was thinking. That was what I was thinking. His stuff is actually much more coherent than Wesley Willis's, but the individual turns of phrase, when isolated from the general context, have a Willis-like quality that will that will make you sort of touch your forehead and wonder whether the the the, the impression of that headbutt is still there. Um, and, you know, and then it, and it's gone, and it's gone just like your little uh, jingle bell from the Polar Express that you thought was evidence of the existence of Santa Claus. Yeah, it's a phantom. You have phantom feelings from your headbutt. Yes. Uh, all right. My pick is Good Dick. <laughs> oh, he's opening the kimono again. <laughs> uh, Good Dick is a film that was independently produced uh, by my high school friend, Jason uh, Ritter, son of John. And uh, I saw it when it premiered in Los Angeles a couple weekends ago, and it is now, just this week, it actually opened last Friday, but it is playing New York just this week. And I think 
Ohio or something like that. So they're distributing it themselves. They were a selection at Sundance. They didn't get bought at Sundance, but they are, you know, they're taking the film on the road. Uh, uh, Mariana Polka is the writer-director, and she stars along with Mr. Jason Ritter. Uh, Martin Starr from all the Judd Apatow movies and uh, Freaks and Geeks and whatnot is in it. And it... Um, it centers on a woman who rents cheesy 80s porn from a specialty like cinephile video store and uh and the um clerk the video store clerk who rents her these movies who becomes obsessed with her and starts showing up at her apartment so uh it's a touching heartfelt romantic comedy and uh no, I thought that was a laugh line. Never mind. Oh, is it not? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, it is a touching, heartfelt romantic comedy, though, like, you know, it, it could be, it's called Good Dick. Uh, it could be called, like, The Adventures of a Serial Masturbator and Her Stalker. Uh, so That it's, wouldn't do as well. I don't think that would be a good title. <laughs> well, I it's, I mean, really, it's not. Well, they're distributing it themselves, so it's going around. It played one week at a movie theater in Los Angeles. It's playing one week in New York. So if you're in New York or in, I think, like the greater Cleveland, Ohio area Which a lot week, of people will be for the election because they're working hard. A lot of people from all over the country are going to be down there. Right. So see this movie. Go check out, go check out Good Dick. Uh, and the website is gooddickthefilm.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, all right. That is the Overthinking It podcast. Pete Fenzel, where can people get in touch with you? They can email me at interiorcrocodilealligator. No, they can go <laughs> Fenzel at overthinkingit.com. F is in Frank. E-N-Z is in Zebra. E-L, that's my last name, at overthinkingit.com. Thank you very much. And Mr. Lee, how can we get in touch with you? Lee, 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 Lee. L-E-E at overthinkingit.com. That's excellent. And you're on the Twitter. Say your Twitter thing also. Oh, my Twitter thing is quite clever. It goes to 12, like the Spinal Tap reference, like going to 11. Except it's one louder than 11. It goes to 12. Get it? Goes to 12. So you can get him on twitter.com slash goes to 12. And I am Matthew Rather. You can get me at rather, W-R-A-T-H-E-R, because I'm full of wrath, at overthinkingit.com or at twitter.com slash M-W-R-A-T-H-E-R. And once again, if you have questions or comments on the podcast, you can email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com. That phone number again for a voicemail message to be played back on the show is area code 203-285-6401. Be sure to say your name or a hilarious pseudonym and say where you're calling from just because we're curious who our listenership is and leave some sort of incoherent rant there or... Uh, I'd, I'd like to throw this out there. I'd like to have a freestyle rap contest. So if you call into the voicemail, say your name and where you are, and then just freestyle for a little while, we'll play those back on the podcast and adjudicate uh, which one is the best. And we will certainly post the results on Overthinking It, the blog that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it doesn't deserve. Visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com. Oh. 
Come! Org. 